So we are, as I just said several times, we are in this season of preparing. As we kicked off last Sunday, um, that was my vision for this year. There it is, 1 Peter 1.13, prepare your hearts and minds for action. Um, hopefully most of you um, got those journals and that you've been reading along with us every day and doing that soap, right, that idea of doing do- of devotionals. And um, I just got a good testimony from my house. It's been good to have all my kids together around the dining room table doing them together and um, just sharing. It's so fun to hear how the same scripture um, read by six different people can have things, they're all connected, but yet they're so different and how we are to apply that to our own lives. And to hear my kids say what they need to apply is music to dad's ears, that they are applying God's word. And I can remind them throughout the day, hey, remember you said that you were going to work on this. Um, And so I love that the Holy Spirit does that. I'm just praying that part of what is going on is that not only are we gaining the heart of the Father, but that we are gaining one heart here as a church body, that we're becoming one and that we're functioning together as one. And... um, I'll, I'll open up with this. I, I, I wasn't sure when I was preparing this morning's message all throughout the week and really trying to nail things down all day yesterday. Um, I don't have necessarily what I would call a three-point sermon with a great teaching and all these great analogies and the ways that I like my preference is to give a message, is to have it all prepared and laid out and I, I know exactly where I'm going. So this morning is a little bit more of me just sharing my heart, right? That'd be apropos for where we're going this morning. A prepared heart is the name of the, the title of this morning's message. A prepared heart. So we're preparing our hearts and minds for action. The last result is action, right? Um, Jesus says, if you love me, you will obey me, right? You'll do my commands. Don't be just hearers only, be doers, right? And there's a lot to be doing. We just heard some missionaries getting ready to go do some things, right? That's what the Lord wants us. He wants to go do things. But before we can go do things, our hearts need to be right. Our hearts need to be prepared to do these things. And so just was thinking about these things. I don't, my message this morning, I wanted, I kept trying to come up with points and I had, you know, motivation matters, wisdom wins. I was coming up with great points. I was like, I can't do it. Like, I just have to share my heart. And so this morning I might pause a little bit longer. I might finish early. That would be a miracle. Um, But it might just look a little different because I'm not, I feel like I'm not teaching necessarily as much as I'm just trying to share my heart behind where God has been um, speaking to me and where I feel like he's taking us as a church. Is that making sense? Um, So one of the first analogies that I wanted to share, and it was not anywhere in my notes until I was praying this morning in the prayer chapel, um, the Lord reminded me uh, just this week, uh, my wife has a smart watch, uh, a Fitbit, and I don't use, I was an Apple watch. I have no idea how Fitbits work. She's had it for a year, got it for Christmas last year, and recently it's been acting funny, and so when anything goes wrong, technology in our house... You go see dad, right? And so I'm trying to figure it out. I'm like, what the heck? Like, it's connected. I can change the volume on her watch, and it changes the volume on her phone. So, like, it's connected, but it wouldn't sync. It wouldn't, like, you go to the app on the phone, and you try to hit sync, and it says failed, failed. I'm like, all right, turn the phone off, turn the watch off, do this, all the reconnection. And it would always connect. No matter what I would do, it just kept connecting, but it wouldn't sync. And I didn't think about it until this morning in the prayer chapel. I feel like that's kind of prophetic, The Lord is saying there's a lot of people in the church that are connected to the Lord. They know the Lord. They know the right things to do. Like, oh, when things are going wrong, we spend time in prayer. We we connect. We read the Bible. We do things to connect with God. But what he's saying is, I don't want just a connection. I want to be in sync with you. There's a difference. There's a difference between just having a connection that whenever I have a problem, I can go to the Father and I can get help in a time of need. That's great. But when I'm in sync with him, I'm not waiting until I have a problem. Every moment of every day, I'm just walking in step with him. 
I'm in sync with him. As, as kind of during worship, a couple of things were said, Jen was praying that there's this peace that no matter what comes, if my heart is fully prepared, fully in sync with the Lord, no matter what happens in my life, no matter what comes my way, I can just walk with peace. The peace of God, it guards my heart and my mind in Christ Jesus. That I'm never caught off guard. I'm never, I'm never, I'm not tossed to and fro, right, with the winds and the waves of this in a storm. That I have hope as an anchor for my soul. That I'm just, I'm sure-footed that Jesus is the rock of my salvation. That I'm built upon the rock. That it is well with my soul no matter what. Uh, interesting, I'll just even, like I said, I'm, I'm going wherever the, the Lord leads this morning. I've got lots of things I've prepared to say. But as I was saying that, I was just even thinking about in my life, how when my heart is prepared, when I've spent time with the Lord and I'm in sync with him and I know his heart on a matter, it, doesn't, it really does not matter what people say, the accusations of other people, the enemy, how I feel. There's this peace in my heart that I have the Father's heart on this issue. I know what, his, my, I know what he's thinking. Logically, I don't fully understand. But in my heart, I trust him, right? That's, that's my life verse. It's there in the foyer. That was the first verse to go in our foyer when we started putting verses on there. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, right? That's been my life verse for decades. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. Get to know him. Get in sync with him, and then he'll direct your steps. When my heart is fully trusting God, and I know that he's working together all things for good for me, that he perfects those things which concern me, that I know the plans that he thinks towards me, they're to prosper me, to give me a future and a hope. When I have my heart just anchored in these promises and the truths of God, and I'm fully trusting him, my mind can go all over the place and say, this doesn't make sense. It's not logical. Reason doesn't line up. But there's just something. I just, my heart, yeah, but I have peace. It doesn't matter. And that's what I'm saying. The Lord wants all of us to have that. He doesn't want us just to have a connection where we have some truths, but that our heart is just... I was thinking about it as we were praying this morning with some of the elders, that there's got to be a frequency that I don't fully understand. Like, you know, FM, AM, you can turn your radio and you can hear different frequencies that hear different radio stations. There is a frequency in heaven of the heartbeat of the Father. It's just his heart. There's a rhythm, right? And there's times where his heart gets excited and it beats faster, right? There's times where the Lord is sad and it doesn't always just constantly the same, but we have to be in tune with where his heartbeat is. And when my heart is just in sync and I'm, I'm in that heartbeat of heaven, ah, oh, it does not matter what is going on in the world. And that's what I want us as a church to have. There should be a noticeable difference with the peace that we have than what the world has. Jesus says that, right? My peace I give you, not as the world gives, but my peace. And I want us to be noticeably different. And even as I heard young people sharing so funny that I can say these people as young people because I still sometimes view myself almost the same age as them, but I know I'm way older, right? I'm getting gray hairs everywhere. Um, <laughs> that as I heard them, in fact, at their age, there was a band that was out, old, I know, DC Talk, right? <laughs> now Toby Mac and all whatever else. But DC Talk was out, and when I was their age, I used to listen to DC Talk, and I used to listen to it on a tape cassette. Some of you might not know what those are. My kids have no idea what that is. Tape cassette, and I would, in my 87 Honda, I would put that tape cassette in. I would listen to things, and a song that I listened to from DC Talk um, was What If I Stumble, and I was thinking about these lyrics. It says this, the greatest single cause of atheism in the world today 
is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips and walk out the door and deny him by their lifestyle. That is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. They see Christians who, yes, we serve Jesus, and then they look just like everybody else in the world. Well, why do I want that? They don't, there's no attraction. But if we truly are separate, that we're in the world, but we're not of the world, that we are truly, we look like aliens, that's what scripture says, right? That our home is not here. So because our home is not here, when things are taken away from us here on this earth, it does not matter. There is a peace, right? We sing that old hymn, right, to connect it even further back, right? It is well with my soul. Many of us know that story when the, the man that authored that hymn, right? His wife and daughters died at sea. And as he goes on the ocean and is there, and the captain says, this is where your wife and daughters died. He begins to sing the song, it is well with my soul. Whatever you want, God, my life is yours. Nothing in this earth is mine. It's all yours. And when we have that perspective, when our heart is prepared to say, everything I have is yours, God, then nothing really is truly taken away from us because it was never ours to begin with. I think about just the time right now I, I have um, one of my kids at home is sick, right? And I, I've been thinking about that. There's been times I've shared testimonies that probably the sweetest intimacy, the most I've really felt the presence of God and just been so intimate with him is actually in the time where I've been physically sick, physically in pain, physically not getting what I want. But I just choose to worship God anyways in that pain. And something about that sacrifice, it attracts fire. That sacrifice, I will bring a sacrifice of praise. And it just, it brings the blessing. It says that a broken and a contrite heart, God will not ignore. There's something about when our hearts are truly broken, truly saying, God, this is all of who I am. Everything I am, everything I'm not, I'm yours. It just attracts him. And he brings his fire. He brings his passion. And that's what I love. He brings understanding of the passion he has for us. And he revives the passion that we truly desire to have for him. Maybe being a little nostalgic today. Thinking about DC Talk and thinking about these things that are old. This last week, um, we've been reading through these different verses, right? About a heart. And what comes to my mind, the very first time I thought about this vision for this new year is preparing a heart. That first phrase, when I first thought of prepared heart, the first thing that came to my mind is a heart that is repentant, a heart that is broken, a heart that is soft and pliable in God's hands. And I thought of, to me, the number one chapter in the Bible that reflects this is Psalm 51, right? It's when King David is writing those words when he is found out for his sins. He's committed adultery, and above and beyond that, he's committed murder to cover up his adultery. And he's finally called out. And in Psalm 51, he just begins to write things and he just pours his heart out before the Lord. And this last week, I was thinking about Psalm 51 and and I was reminded, the Lord reminded me that that was a chapter that I memorized and became a huge part of my life, probably that same time I was listening to DC Talk in my high school, college years. And by chance, in my bookshelf at home, I was putting my drink down in the bookshelf. I had a coaster right there while I spent time with God. And, and as I put my drink down, I saw my Bible that I had when I was in high school. I'm like, I haven't opened that Bible in probably over a decade. I, I was like, ah. So I moved it over, pulled it out. It's, it's duct taped because it fell apart, right? So there's tape all over it. And I opened it up. And as soon as I opened it up, it just naturally 
Psalm 51. Because in that season of my life, that's where that book was opened all the time. And as I did, there was journal entries. And I, begot to, I, get, I got to read what I wrote down probably 20 years ago. Some things that I wrote down. And, and some of it would be pouring out where I just was struggling. My relationship with God, I, I had failed. And I just was beating myself up. And I was like, ah. Oh. But I realized it was only like a few sentences of beating myself up. And then two pages of just telling God from Psalm 51, I just want your heart, God. I, if I had your heart, I wouldn't desire these other things because you would be my only desire. And I just was pouring out my heart. As I was reading that, I was getting choked up because I was remembering all the emotions of writing this journal entry. But where I got choked up was when I was done, was the Lord is saying, Ryan, look where you are now. That you haven't arrived, you haven't attained perfection, but you have gained my heart. And the Lord just, sometimes we don't see our growth in the Lord. It's one of those things, I have kids, right? And so we, every year, actually two times a year, I take them to the closet and we get the pencil out and we mark them right on the closet uh, and we see how, how much they've grown. And you don't realize throughout the year how much you've grown until you look back and you're like, oh, my kids grow like three inches. Oh my gosh, right? They grow so much. Often when we're walking with the Lord, we don't see or we don't sense that we're actually growing in the Lord. But as I read that journal entry, the Lord was just saying, Ryan, look at how much you've grown, that you've gained so much more of my heart. Like I said, tonight's not a, this morning's not a teaching, and I don't know all of where the Lord's taking me, but on Wednesday night, I got to share, as we were just spending time in God's presence, worshiping Him, I had this faint little vision in my mind's eye of a half of a heart, and I was like, oh, I don't know if that's God or not, and I was ready to dismiss it, and I was like, okay, maybe it is God, so half a heart, what does half a heart mean, God? And then as I just even said that, He gave me a greater understanding, oh, it's like a, a, a necklace, and like, you know, those BFF forever, you know, best friend forever, whatever those things are. You have half a heart that's like kind of broken, jagged down the middle. And one friend wears one half heart. The other friend wears the other half heart. And I was like, oh, okay. What does that mean, guys? And then that's when God said, I have your heart, Ryan. Your heart, you gave it to me. But then where I got wrecked was, and Ryan, I've given you my heart. You have my heart. And with all humility, I know I have not arrived. I am just scratching the surface. But to hear my father, to hear the God in heaven tell me that I have his heart, that was my cry for decades. I just want your heart, God. I just became undone on this stage. I just was a puddle mess. That he says I have his heart. That's where I have peace. That's not where I have information and knowledge and wisdom. It's actually just the peace of God. That as I lead this church, there's things that I, I think about up here. I'm like, I don't know how to do that. I don't know. I don't have the wisdom. I don't have the resources. I don't have the knowledge. I don't have the experience. I'm unqualified. All these things run through my mind. But then when the Lord gets to my heart, I can take a deep breath. God didn't call me to this position because I have it all figured out up here because I'm not supposed to lean on my own understanding. God chose me to be lead pastor because my heart trusts him. I will trust God no matter what. I will not lean on my own understanding. And I'm not saying this all up here this morning to be patting myself on the back. I'm saying this because I long to lead you into that same relationship where you have that same peace in your heart that we all gain this heart that is prepared, that no matter what goes on in our life, 
It is well with our souls. I don't want to keep talking about myself. Even as I look at Carrie, not to go through all of what's going on in her life, but if you're on the prayer chain, there's things that are going on in her life, and I see her in worship. I haven't even got to talk to her this morning. But there is a level of peace that is in her heart and in her mind. That she's trusting God for the answers. I heard a pastor say this last week, and I loved it, and I seared it in my memory. Hopefully it comes out the right way. That faith brings answers. But enduring faith brings answers with character. Sometimes our faith brings answers right away. We pray a prayer of faith, and a miracle happens. That's awesome. But sometimes it's enduring faith. The the answer we wanted didn't come right away. But an answer always comes with faith. But with enduring faith, you also get character. He's preparing our hearts. There's things that we haven't got that we want. Things maybe you prayed three years ago. It's like, God, where's the answer? And he's like, yeah, I'm preparing your heart. This is a season where character, not just answers, but character with that. You've heard me say a zillion times in this uh, church setting that if it isn't good yet, God's not done yet. And I love it because I just heard a testimony this last week. Um, one of my kids, one of their assignments at school in the English classes, they have to write, uh, I don't know if it's an essay or a story, that's a tragedy. And so the, they have to, it has to end sad. The story can't like, and then everything came together and worked together for good. And so they're saying, dad, but that's hard because you always say it always works together for good. I'm like, good. I'm glad that it's hard for you to write that way because it's already getting ingrained in my kids that a good answer is coming. It might not be the answer we think. It might not be in our timing, but it is promised. God is good at all times. And we should have a reason to be hopeful at all times. I haven't hit one Bible verse I have in my whole teaching here. Um, so I do have a slide to maybe bring it back a little bit. This idea that we are preparing our hearts and minds for action. What does it mean to be prepared? Right? So definitionally, dictionary.com says this for prepare. To get ready, right? Very basically, to get ready, right? To make ready beforehand for some approaching event or need. I, I was trying to preach this whole thing, but I've already told you that I believe before Jesus returns, there's going to be a billion soul harvest. So are we ready, right? We're sending people out into colleges and into Europe, into the Midwest, the East Coast. We're sending people out because we are expecting a billion soul harvest. So we're getting ready for that. We're doing what we can to prepare for that. We're getting, you and I, we're getting ready to disciple people. We're to be disciplers of nations, right? So are we preparing ourselves not only to share our faith, but to bring people under our wing and to love on them, to encourage them, to mentor them, right? So we're expecting something, right? It implies planning for and making ready for something expected or thought possible. Some synonyms. This idea of preparing means you get things arranged, assembled. You adapt. You adjust. You brace. You develop. Draw up. Equip. Form. Formulate. Gird. Make. Plan. Produce. Provide. Qualify. Ready. Strengthen. Supply. Train. These words are to get in our psyche, into our mind, and into our heart as this is a year of preparation. It doesn't mean that we just prepare this whole year and then action will come years from now. I'm, prepared, I'm believing that action is going to happen this year. But even before that action, I want to be prepared. I'm believing that today 
In this service, God's going to do something. Action is going to take place. Before that action, there always need to be a preparation. If you aren't prepared, you won't respond. You won't be ready for what God wants to do. And that's what I love about what we are doing that is daily. It's not just this year-long or generational or before Jesus returns. It's we are preparing every day. We're spending time, one verse in the Bible, and just spending five minutes writing down what we observe and how we can apply that and saying a prayer. We're preparing our day for action. So this idea of preparation. I was thinking about how, again, this new year we have goals. There's things that we want to do or accomplish. But maybe better than coming up with New Year's resolutions of what we want to do, probably a better goal is who do you want to become? Who do you want to become? As I shared testimony, reading back from my devotional entries from 20 plus years ago, I wanted to become a man after God's own heart. I wanted to be like David. That's who I want to become. I shifted from my high school and early college years where I wanted to be like Solomon. I wanted wisdom and I wanted to accomplish things like Solomon built and designed and developed and he changed, right? People from other nations came to see what he had to do. He was, he was impacting the nations. I was like, yeah, that's what I want to do. And then something in there, I was like, God, I don't want to give up those dreams, but before those dreams, I want to be like David. David came before Solomon. My heart needs to be like yours. Who do you want to become? Maybe more than what do you want to do and accomplish, who do you want to become? Hmm. So looking at some of these verses, I, I quoted Psalm 51. And actually, the Bible that I read back in high school was the Living Bible, not the New Living Translation. It's actually is a paraphrase, the Living Bible. And so I'm going to read to you some of the Living Bible, which I haven't really used a whole lot. Um, but Psalm 51, 19. I know, thank you, Janine, because I'm going to be jumping all over the place, so she's wait, waiting for me to tell where we're going. Psalm 51, 19 says this, And when my heart is right, then you'll rejoice in the good that I do and the sacrifice I bring. God doesn't just rejoice in the things that we do, the right things we do. I can do right things with a wrong heart, and it actually brings no pleasure to God. He's not looking for me just to do things for him. He wants my heart to be right. When my heart is prepared, my heart is right, and I am in sync with him, I just naturally do the things that he wants me to do. I'm not striving. Faith doesn't come from striving. Faith comes from surrender. When I surrender and my heart becomes right, uh-huh, it becomes easy to do things God wants me to do. So he's saying this in Psalm 51, 19. And the one that really hits me is this idea of repentance and brokenness that I'm submitted and I yielded. But then in Psalms 51, 10, this is what David says. I, I, I remember I memorized this. I thought it was in all translations. I was like, oh, it's only the Living Bible that says this? But we sing a song, right? Creating me a clean heart, O oh God, and renew a right spirit within me, right? That's what most translations say, and that is correct. But the Living Bible, I've always quoted it since high school, that creating me a clean heart filled with clean thoughts and right desires, ready to please you. Right desires. That has just been ingrained for the last 20 plus years when I sing that song, when I quote Psalm 51. It's creating me a clean heart, oh God. Purify me. Cleanse me from all the junk that doesn't belong in there. But don't just remove all that stuff. Put right desires inside of me. 
Put your desires inside of me. Not for me to get just all what I want. When I pray, I don't want it to be just prayers. God, help me do good on this test. Help heal me. Help me to have favor with this person. Help me, help me, help me. God, no, give me your desires. What's on your heart? That's what I want to do. I don't want you to perform for me. I want to do what's on your heart, God. It's a shift in my prayer life with him. And when my heart is right and my heart is bent on pleasing him, not him doing things for me, but I just want to please him, oh, then he directs my steps. Where I didn't know, should I go here? Should I do that? Should I go to this college? Should I work here? Should I quit this job? Should I move? Should I do this? Should I, all the shoulds, I'm, I'm, I'm not understanding. But once my heart is yielded to him, and I just want to please him. Oh, that's when he directs my steps. A man's heart prepares his way or plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. It's in our hearts that directs where we're going to live our lives. You can intellectually think, here's here's my five-year plan. Here's what I'm going to do with my finances. Here's what I'm going to do with all these different things. You can have a plan in your mind, but really the course of your life is set based off of your heart. Wherever your heart is, where your desires, the deep part of who you are, that dictates your life, right? I, I talk about this piece. You see it with the rich and famous, right? The rich and famous, they have everything they could want, fame, wealth, popularity, everything, and yet there's something missing in their life because their hearts, there is something in each one of our hearts that there's this place where we are meant to be in fellowship with God that we can only get peace from him. It doesn't come that... What's that song, can't buy me love, right? You can't buy love. And it's his perfect love that casts out fear. It's his love, right? There's that verse, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So where your heart is dictates where your life is going to go, but now what you treasure inside of your heart, what is most valuable to you? That was a verse for today and for yesterday, right? If you're following our devotionals. So for me, kind of that, that first thing that came to my mind in a prepared heart is a broken and a repentant heart. The next thing is that my heart desires what God desires, that I'm searching after God. If my heart is prepared to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then all these other things get added into me. These things that sometimes I get anxious for. Well, what if, what if, what if? I don't have to worry about those things. If my heart is just bent on seeking first his kingdom, all these other things, they find their place. I'm not anxious about those things. Hmm. Another good phrase. I think I said it on Wednesday. The heart of the matter is the matter of the heart. The heart of the matter, the core, any situation you're in. If you have anxiety, the heart of the matter of your anxious thoughts is a matter of a heart. Because if your heart is just set on pleasing God, you would not be anxious. I'll say it. I struggle probably more with frustration than anxiety. Even to give you that story of my wife's Fitbit, 
I tried a few things, reset, turns it off, turn it back on, hard reset, did all the things. And then at the end, I get frustrated. Stupid watch. <laughs> right? I get frustrated really quick with technology because it's pride issue, right? The heart of the matter is I feel like I, I, I worked at AT&T for 15 years or whatever. Like, I know technology. And when this little watch doesn't do what I'm telling it's supposed to do, stupid thing, right? I get frustrated. Where does that frustration come from? The heart of the matter? It's a matter of the heart. It has nothing to do with that watch. It has nothing to do with my understanding of technology. Even that simple thing that doesn't seem to have this big lifelong lesson, it does. When I am frustrated, boil it down, my heart is not in the right place. When I get, from many people in this room, myself included, maybe not a fast driver, but a slow driver gets in front of you on the freeway, uh, whatever, person cuts you off, tailgates you, whatever those things are, when we get frustrated and angry, the heart of the matter is a matter of the heart. It really is. Anything in your life where you are just not enjoying life, the heart of the matter is a matter of your heart. The Lord wants to prepare our hearts to enjoy life. A prepared heart seeks wisdom. This is in some of our verses too. Psalm 90 verse 12 says this. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Gain a heart of wisdom. That I want to be taught. It's Proverbs twenty-two seventeen. Listen carefully and open your heart. Apply your heart to what I teach. Are you correctable? In the midst of being frustrated, are you willing to be corrected? In the midst of having anxiety and worry, and you have valid logical reasons to worry, are you willing, is your heart open to being corrected? Because worry is a sin. God's word says, don't worry about anything. So if you are worrying, you are in sin. But we don't like to hear that. Like, I need comfort. I need mercy. I need grace. I need compassion when I'm worried. Actually, you might need to be confronted with the truth. Is your heart open to hear, hey, you're sinning. Stop it. Going back to Psalm 51, that same thing. Come into the hidden places of my heart and teach me wisdom. Is your heart open? Do you have an open heart? I feel like that's kind of what the Lord is saying. A prepared heart is an open heart. That you are open to correction. You're open to rebuke. You're open to whatever it is the Lord wants to say to us. Is your heart open? This idea of an open heart is so central to God. In Revelation 3.20, it says this. It says, Behold, I'm standing at the door knocking. If your heart is open to hear my voice and you open the door within, I will come into you and feast with you and you will feast with me. Scripture says, Anxiety in the heart of man weighs him down, but a good word makes him glad. Jesus is the word. Jesus is knocking on the doors of our heart. And he's saying, if you are open, I want to come in and we can feast together and actually enjoy life. 
that it doesn't have to be weary. If you are weary, Jesus is not feasting with you. If you are drained of all energy and strength, Jesus says, I give strength to the weary. I increase the power of the weak. So it's one of those things where I can feel these things, but when I feel them, it should be an acknowledgement. Red lights should go off. Oh, I feel weary? Then I, my heart is not prepared. I've not spent time with Jesus. I have not opened my heart to him to let him come in and feast with me and me feast with him. When I read that, I, I thought of right away, Revelation, when I read the idea of feasting and this, this longing that Jesus has for our hearts, I thought of Song of Solomon 5.2. It says this, this is Jesus, or the king is speaking to his lover. I heard his knock at my heart's door as he pleaded with me. Arise, my love, open your heart deeper still to me. Jesus is knocking on the doors of our hearts. Often I am unaware. I'm not the only one in this room that I've missed the knocking of Jesus on my heart. And I'm saying this year, I want a heart that's prepared that I hear his knocking. I hear his wooing. I hear, Ryan, I just need to be with you. I want you. I don't want what you do for me. I just want you. He pleaded. Jesus is pleading with us. Arise, my love. Open your heart deeper still to me. I think I said it last Sunday. I sense in this, I don't know, post-mid-pandemic that we're in, there is something that's trying to settle in our society and the culture and the mindset is laziness. That we just grow comfortable. Well, I can work from home, right? I can, I only have to put on a nice shirt. I don't have to put on nice pants because they only see me online with my nice shirt on top, right? Whatever it is, like, I can just do church online. And I'm not saying it's wrong to do church online if you're joining us online, but I am going to say if you are following a way that is comfortable and easy and laziness, it is wrong. It is a sin. Laziness is a sin. And that's why I love Jesus says, arise. It's going to cost you something. It won't be easy. To prepare your heart, to spend time with God, it's costly. It might not sound like the most fun thing to do. But will you follow your lazy heart or will you stir up the affections of your heart? Hmm. As I stir, say stir up the affections of your heart, let me read, I don't think I have it uh, prepared, so you're just going to have to listen. This is some more Song of Solomon 5.2. I'll read to you the next couple of verses. It says this. I heard Jesus knock at my heart's door as he pleaded with me. Arise, my love, open your heart deeper still to me. Will you receive me this dark night? There was no one else but you, my friend, my equal. I need you this night to arise and come be with me. You are my pure, loyal dove, a perfect partner for me. My flawless one, will you arise? For my heaviness and tears are more than I can bear. I've spent myself for you throughout the dark night. As I heard these words, and I just pictured Jesus saying that to me, it stood out to me this idea of a dark night. And I couldn't help but think right away, these might be King Solomon writing these thousands of years before, thousand years before Jesus was on the, on the scene. 
It was prophetic. And then it was Jesus saying it 2,000 years ago, prophetic to what he's saying to me now. That Jesus, when he was in a dark night in the Garden of Gethsemane, alone, asking for his friends, won't you just stay with me and pray with me? Falling asleep, tired, too much work. And he's by himself, pleading before the Father, sweating drops of blood, passion. And yet his bride is sleeping. This is Jesus saying that to me personally. Arise, I need you. I even shared it during our elder prayer. That almost seems theologically off base that Jesus needs us because he's omnipotent. He's all-powerful. He's all-knowing, right? He's all, he doesn't need anything. He's God Almighty, which I agree with. But you know me, the answer is always yes. Does God need anything? No. Does God need something? Yes. Jesus is saying he needs you. In the Garden of Eden, right? What did God say? It's not good for man to be alone. And Jesus is the son of man. It is not good for Jesus to be alone. He needs you. Jesus needs you. He needs intimacy with you. He doesn't want a connection. He wants intimacy to be in sync. He wants to share his heart with you. He wants you to share your heart with him. As we're on the heels of Christmas, I was thinking about Mary and about the ideas of heart. And it says that Mary pondered all these things in her heart. An angel came and spoke the word of the Lord to her. Angels came and, came and spoke to the shepherds. The shepherds came to her and they're telling her all these things. And it says that she just pondered all these things in her heart. Or as another translation says that she quietly treasured these things in her heart and often thought about them. Do you treasure God's heart for you? Do you think about his heart often? I want to be like Mary. I want my heart to be pondering, treasuring, thinking often about, God, what's on your heart right now? When I'm in the middle of a problem, the middle of a situation, someone being angry at me, God, what's your heart right now? What's your heart towards this person? All right, I'll, I'll, like I said, it's not a teaching. I'm just kind of sharing some things. This might be for someone specific in the room that in relationship, the Lord just brought to my mind someone that I loved at this church deeply. And it didn't end so well the way they left this church. And in one of my last conversations with this person, they were angry, and they clearly did not see my heart. They saw what I did, and I didn't communicate my heart well. So I take ownership of what I didn't do right. I was not right in some of the ways I handled things, the way I communicated, the way I did things. But I knew my heart. I loved that person deeply, and I did not mean that at all. But they had already judged my heart. And I knew in that moment as they were accusing and just blasting me 
I had the peace of God. Not because I'm better than, but because the Holy Spirit was in there and I knew, you have my heart, Ryan. I heard the voice of my father, you have my heart. Learn, have a heart of wisdom, be open to correction. What, what they're saying right now, there's some things you can learn in this. So I need to be humble and not arrogant, but at the same time confident that I had the peace of God, that my heart was pure and motive. In fact, it was interesting. Even as this person accused me of things, they even said that. They said, I remember saying for the last season of being with you that you're like Nathaniel, that Jesus says that in you is no guile. They even said that as they were blasting me, accusing me, I love how the Lord does that. They said, but I remember saying that about you. I'm like, yes, because my heart towards you is pure. And as they were saying these things, my only reply was, and I'm not, again, I'm not patting myself on the back. I'm saying this is a testimony that when your heart is in beat with the Father and you have the heart for the other person that's clearly not in a healthy place, I was able to say, there is nothing you can say or do that's gonna change my love and affection for you. I love you. No matter what you say, no matter what you do, I will keep loving you. I didn't have to defend myself. It was amazing. There was freedom in that because so often I feel the need to defend myself. That's not true. I didn't say that. That's not how that went down. You're lying. Those are all thoughts that were in here and they were all true. I mean, I could have blasted the person. I mean, I was thinking in my role, like, oh man, I could blast this person. Lie after lie. And I'm like, but there was peace. I don't need to defend myself. I love you. I love you. That's all I could say. And I would love for all of us, myself, to continue to have that heart towards whoever it is. That literally hell can be coming out of their mouth. And all we exude is just a heart that is prepared to love. But I love you. What did Jesus do on the cross? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know. They don't understand what they're doing. I have so much love for them. Just forgive them, God. So as we wrap up the service, Daniel comes up just to lead us one last worship song. Would you just take a second, actually close your eyes. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you? I didn't have profound, here's my points. But I believe the Lord is speaking to hearts. Hmm. And actually... If you just keep your eyes closed for a second, <laughs> this is not natural what I would want to do either, but being nostalgic, I just thought of another song that used to come on in my 87 Honda Civic. <laughs> I had a tape of Doug and Teresa Martin. Several of you in this room probably know who they are. They wrote some songs and they had a song that talked about a heart. And I hope you hear my heart in doing this. Don't listen to the notes I sing because I might sing the wrong notes. But would you make this your heart's cry? They wrote this song and I can, I can hear it in my heart. And I want it to come out of my heart this morning. And it goes something like this. Hopefully I remember all of it. But it says, 
Take my heart, pound and bruise it. Make it soft as potter's clay. Take it, shape it, mold and make it so that I will never stray. Oh, there's a burden in my heart to know you better, Lord. A desire to grow closer every day. But the trials of this world, they try to quench my faith and make my heart grow harder, so I pray. Take my heart, pound and bruise it, Make it soft as potter's clay. Take it, shape it, mold and make it so that I will never stray. Lord, that's our prayer today. Is we want a broken and a contrite heart. One that is yielded to you, Jesus that I will not go unless you say go. I will not speak and defend myself. I will wait and prepare my heart before anything comes out of my mouth. That my heart is yielded to you, Jesus. That everything I have, everything that's in my possession, all my finances, all my resources, even things that are good, my own family, my own wife and children, God, they're all gifts from you. They're not mine. I give them to you, Jesus. Just as Abraham yielded his own son, willing to sacrifice his most prized possession, God, prepare my heart to do the same that there would be nothing in my heart that I treasure over you. That you would be my heart's desire. That your presence is all that I seek. That I could actually say with sincerity and honesty, like David said, one thing I seek, one thing I ask, that I just be able to dwell in the house of the Lord, in your presence that I could just have your heart and you could have my heart. That's all I want, God. And then all these other things, they find their rightful place. But God, I give you my heart afresh and anew this morning. I want your peace. I want your joy. I want your wisdom and direction. And it's only found when I'm yielded to you. So I give it to you, God. I give you my life. And if you just need prayer or feel like you need to do something to, to give your heart afresh and new to the Lord, the altar is open. In just a second, we're going to stand to sing a song. If you need prayer, if you just want to come bow at the feet of Jesus, I invite you as we all stand, just make it one fluid motion. Stand and then just come all the way up. So the count of three, 
I'm going to invite you to stand where you are and begin to sing the song that Daniel's going to lead us in. Or just come on up and give your heart to Jesus. One, two, three. Everybody stand.